0: You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Taverly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Taverly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that, from all different fields, are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. We are back, and I'm excited to have Katherine Patterson with me today. She's a business strategist, brand strategist, speaker, author, and founder of Weibo Network. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Tamerly. It's really great to see you again. I know that I saw you not too long ago, and we won't talk about our pre we'll call that our pre-planning podcast <laughs> that that was That's a little glitch it was just a little glitch <laughs> but it's great to see you again yes hi and i'm really excited to have our listeners hear more about what you do in your business and with the network okay where right. should we start let's start like where are you from tell everybody a little bit about you
1: well um i am originally from texas but i've been in colorado since 93 so i'm almost sort of kind of a native um, as my dad always says, I didn't. I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. Um, I have been a solopreneur for 20 years since 1999. I started my first business in Hong Kong, um, brought it back to the U.S. I am a brand and business strategist that helps my clients close the gap between where they want to be and where um, they are today. And everything I do is kind of a holistic view of your business uh, from a brand standpoint. So, how do we offer? and deliver what we're promising in the market so how did you
0: start in hong kong like what how what's that connection that was well, like i don't think we've ever talked about that i'm oh. like oh this is very interesting
1: oh well i am a third generation expat okay. um, and i had a shotgun wedding my husband at the time he was my boyfriend came mm-hmm. home one night and said they want me to move to hong kong and i said well we have to get married and he said yeah Oh. (laughs) So we had a little shotgun wedding. We moved over in 97. I got there about a month before the handover. Um, And I was working for construction management, a British construction management firm, as their regional marketing director. They quickly pulled out of the region for uh, unknown reasons. Um, And as the marketing person, I was the first to go. And the two directors Mm. asked me to... Hold tight, they were going to start a new business, so I was one of the first employee of theirs to start a new construction management business, and we grew from three people to 140 people in the mm. first year, um, and as in many startups, I was wearing a lot of hats, and I made um, a terrible $6 million typo one day uh, while I was trying to fix a toilet and hire a secretary at the same time. I, I messed up a proposal, and my uh, boss came in, and he said, oh, he was, he was Scottish. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a $6 million era in the proposal. And he cried and I cried and we both cried. And then we fixed the proposal and, and we decided that it was best for me to leave the office and work from home and contract back the marketing so that I could take off a couple of the other hats. Well, Hong Kong, it looks like a big, huge, you know, international business city, but really it's a very small community when it comes to the expats. And so once people found out... That I was independent, I started to get calls from other mm. um, architecture, engineering, and construction management firms, and so all of a sudden, I had a business. So I'm what I like to call an accidental entrepreneur.
0: That's kind of beautiful, though.
1: Yeah, it was it was very um, very natural progression. Um, I'm a fourth generation entrepreneur, so it's it's a world that I understand, but mm. I certainly hadn't planned to start a business at that time. And then I brought it back to the States with me in 2002 when we moved back and I've been able to grow it here as well.
0: I, I, I feel like my heart stopped for just a minute when you talked about that $6 million, I mean, we have all made mistakes as employees of other companies that create, you know, huge impact to the company and we're human, so it happens. But I'm glad that you were with somebody that was sounds like was compassionate to the fact that humans make errors. Well, I think
1: that by that point in my employment, we all knew that I was spread way too thin, and right. I wasn't able to concentrate in the area of my of my genius. And so the fact that I was down the hill that day, you know, sign languaging to the mm-hmm. hardware guy that I needed this part of a toilet and um, trying to do everything else, it just it was just crazy. That was the point at which the startup was no longer a startup
0: and had become, A full fledged. Which was the catalyst for you to create a better way for you to do your job. So I. Absolutely. Everything
1: happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. And And then you brought it back to the
0: United States and you moved where? We moved back to Arvada. Okay. And we lived in
1: Arvada. um, And I started to serve other architecture, engineering, and construction management firms, but over the years have segued out of that industry specifically into other service based industries. So I serve coaches, consultants, creatives professional services providers um, in building their brands and then creating
0: stronger businesses with stronger foundations that make more money. It's kind of interesting to talk about brand strategy with creatives because I think in our minds, we think that people that work in creative fields already have the creativity Mm. to build and manage their own brand. But the truth is, is that when you're in it, it's really hard to see it from the outside in. And I, it's, I had this conversation with a friend of mine recently. We were talking about branding. We were talking about because we've built a brand around my name, which yes. is a lot of what I do in the podcast and what I do in my business. And, you know, a lot of the work we do is around my name. And it's still been it's not an easy thing to own your brand when you're an entrepreneur. And I think that that sometimes creative fields we often lack the confidence to just like really own our brand. So having somebody like you who can come in and say, okay, this makes sense. You have no emotional attachment to it. This makes sense. This is how this is going to work. At least in my case, those that I've worked with, I would never, ever have been able to build a brand I have if it wasn't for that type of work.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people look at branding strictly from the creative Standpoint Mm. and to me, brand is a verb, it's not a noun. Mm. Um, It's how we run our business every single day, it's every system operation, how we deliver our products and services, how we price our products and services. It's everything in our business. So, for me, brand is an operational function, not strictly a marketing function. Mm -hmm. So, when I work with a client, I am digging into their back end to talk about how they're delivering their products and services, what systems they have to support them, and does that all align with this promise of their brand that they have built in the marketplace? Is this how they want to be seen? Is it all in alignment? Is it a holistic um, presentation of who they are and who they're serving and the value that they're bringing?
0: That's a hefty job. It is a hefty job, and I love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I can feel that you love it and you understand it very clearly. I think it's really intimidating for some entrepreneurs to really think that big in scope because that's a 360 degree angle that you're just talking about. And I think that we don't often see it that way, you know, especially especially startups and entrepreneurs, right? Because yeah. you're flying by the seat of your pants. Now, established entrepreneurs, sh- and I, I think that I'm to that point where my feet are firmly rooted enough to where the chaos is at a minimum. Mm. The growth is the goal, right? You know, planning, planning, putting plans in place for scale. These are all the things that I'm at the stage at. So I feel like the chaos is a little bit calmer than it was yeah. the first year. Um, but have understanding that 360 degree approach, that is the piece that I think that people have not, that have not needed to do that for their business. Don't understand it. Because if you work for a company, yeah. a lot of that's going on at the very high level executive or it's staying within their marketing divisions if they have it. So actual employees don't know that type of work happens. So when you go from an employee to a business owner, you may not even understand that that's a need.
1: It's true. And, and you touched on something about the the growth and the chaos and, you know, I'm kind of the chaos coordinator. I can eliminate a lot of that overwhelm and confusion much earlier in the business cycle if you do the things that I recommend to my clients because it, it's not just about the to-do list of everything that you have to do. And when we first start a business, especially or we're early in our business, you know, my sweet spot is the one to three year. Um, you know, we're trying to do everything and we're trying to serve everybody. And what that does is it creates a lot of overwhelming confusion. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at your brand holistically and, and see how everything aligns, it actually eliminates a lot of unnecessary energy expenditure. Mm-hmm. And it, it also eliminates a lot of financial expenditure. And mm-hmm. so you're able to allocate your resources in a much more directed and um, intentional way to get the results that you want. And all of a sudden you feel calm and you feel in control and you're able to make decisions and you're able to evaluate opportunities in a way that most startups or early business owners aren't able to do because they don't have a clear grasp of the direction that they're going in. Right. So essentially what I do is I help bring a strategic plan in much earlier than most business owners would naturally get to, right? They would naturally go through this progression. I'm just like shortening that learning curve. Mm -hmm. I'm going, let's go from here to here and skip all the confusion part and Mm. really make some traction and make some money and grow your business sooner.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. So you work on a consulting basis. Yes. So um, do individuals typically, or companies, individuals that own the companies usually, do they stay with you for usually short-term or long-term? Like What does that look like for your business model?
1: Well, um, I actually am not a coach, so I'm very specific about that because a lot of my clients do come to me for the strategy work and the planning work, and then they they retain me to do a lot of the creative because my background is in the creative branding, but because I've been a solopreneur for 20 years, because I've only served entrepreneurs and solopreneurs during that 20 years, because I'm a fourth-generation entrepreneur- You know, I understand I have that business acumen, that overall strategy view. I can definitely do a brochure for you, but what happens is I get hired to do the brochure, I end up talking about training your staff. So I've just flipped that story. Now I come in on the strategy. If you want me to execute on the creative, which a lot of my clients do, I'm happy to stay on a consulting basis and do that with you. And it gives me a much more um, intimate knowledge of what your goals are and where Big you're difference. going. Right. And so when I am executing, it's much more efficient, right? I become like so an outsourced true. CMO for you because I already know your goals. I already know your language. I already know your process. I can just translate that into the creative stuff really easily.
0: And I think that that's really important because I have several times in my career know hired out for creative pieces that are needed but if somebody doesn't know your company they don't know who you are it's one thing to match colors and use logos but yes. really the feel of the creative should reflect the business and it's really hard for somebody that doesn't know the business to do that so I really like that you add that piece in
1: it's true and there's more resources right you, you pay for all that time to bring someone up to speed on your business and the flavor and the voice mm. and, and the message and the value. Well, you hire someone like me who's gone from the top down. By the time I get to de- to designing that brochure, it's nothing. It's it's a couple hours of just putting it all together. It's it's not you having to manage and rework and rewrite it's it's it's
0: an efficiency on the ground mm-hmm. that otherwise you wouldn't experience. Mm-hmm. And so on top of that which is amazing thank you very much for sharing that You're And At so the welcome. end of the show we'll tell people how they can find you if they want more information. Yeah. And we'll include a link to all your contact information in the show notes but you also do something else that's really amazing and I want to talk about the Weibo network. Weibo network. Weibo
1: network
0: and I write from
1: Hard Eyes and then right in front <laughs>
0: of my computer right now in front of us, I have your book open. So I want to talk about lunching with lions too. So let's start with Weibo.
1: Okay. So as I said earlier, I've been a solopreneur for 20 years, um, which is great when you're an introvert. It's fantastic to work Mm -hmm. by yourself. But um, when you're by yourself, you have no other voices to help with that strategy, to help guide your decisions to And I'm, by nature, a collaborative person. So I was always looking for some sort of group that would speak into my business, not necessarily a networking group, because I had my networking kind of down pat. I had other organizations that were feeding me business, but when it came to... Practical business steps like what email provider should I use Mm. or what tell me more about this Facebook advertising thing? You know, those types of things you don't get as much of when you're by yourself. You have nobody else to mentor you or guide you. So I spent a long time looking and there are organizations out there with that high level peer advisory thought partnering offer. But the buy in is like a million to two million dollars in revenue. Right. And I you know, sadly was not making that much. Yeah. And so I was always looking for that partnering. And when you figure that of the 12 million women-owned businesses in the US, 1.7% make over a million dollars. That leaves 98.3% that are making less than a million. 97% make less than 500,000 and 87% make less than 100,000. So where is the space for those women to get that high level thought partnering that the peer advisory, the masterminding, the, the professional development, if they have chosen or they're just not there yet to keep their, to keep their revenue lower. So right. You know, a lot of women I work with are choosing to allocate time for mom and family right. and all of that. Right. They're
0: satisfied being a solopreneur. They're, they're satisfied. It's trading time for money. Like that model for them works well.
1: It works well. Mm-hmm. They don't need they're to make stressed. 500. Yeah. They don't right. need to make a right. million. But they still want to be the best business owner they can be mm-hmm. within the space that they've carved out for their right. business. And so I created Weibo to address the needs of that 98.3% of women-owned businesses who make less than a million dollars. So what we do is we bring in – our mission is professional development. We bring in the best trainers and experts um, to deliver real – you know, hands-on, actionable advice to our members. So we have learning events every single month. We also do networking twice a month. We have a lunch and an evening. But even our networking events have a mastermind component. Mm. So we have what we call our mini mastermind. And half of the time we're together is an open discussion with everybody who's at the table. What challenges are you facing? What support do you need in your business? What resources are you looking for? And it has evolved to, you know, women show up with a notebook. And when I introduce the conversation, those notebooks open up, and people are like, "I, I got this question here and I need help with my pricing and I need help with my um, delivery, or I need to rent out this space, or I'm looking for it's, it's real mm. resource exchange at the table. And then we also offer a mastermind program, which was probably my favorite mm. part of the whole thing, which is uh, Power Circles. And they are small group masterminds. And we join together on uh, six months at a time and we dig into each other's businesses and we make real big changes and move people forward. So Amazing. It's um, it's a heart project for me. You know, I did it. Uh, because I really it was something I needed, and I know other women needed it as well. So,
0: so do you target a, a specific part of that demographic, like the eighty seven percent of women that don't make one hundred thousand or they cap out at one hundred thousand a year? Is that a target for Weibo? Because I know that there are other organizations in Colorado that target very specific financial demographics. So do you guys have that designation or is it open? We,
1: you know, we're only three years old and we're mm. still trying to find our footing in terms of who we're attracting. That's who we're attracting. Mm. Um, we also are only for women entrepreneurs and business owners. That's where Webo comes from. Right. Uh, we don't have, um, and we don't invite affiliate businesses. So if your business serves women, business owners or serves business owners, um, but you are not the owner or the founder, we don't really currently have a space for you. So right. this and is. There's
0: lots of groups out there for them. So there's absolutely. lots of places. And because we don't want mm-hmm. it to get
1: polluted with the. Right. I mean, we are doing business. Webo's are doing business together. It, our primary mission is professional development, and we always say. The secondary mission is building that community through the shared experience of being mm. a woman business owner. So it's happening, but that's not our purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really want people to come to the table and, and be giving of themselves and receiving information from a very genuine, authentic place and not from the pitching your business or trying to kind of manipulate people into taking a service or a product.
0: Right. Right. And that's, I mean, that's hard sometimes because I think that traditional networking groups, people want to leave with leads, right? And I I personally don't participate in those types of networking groups anymore just because I don't don't feel that it's, for my business model, it doesn't work. For some, it does. Mm -hmm. There's certain industries where just the sheer quantity of people that you come across and build relationships with, you might pop up. And need a service that one day and your mind's going to say, oh, I'm at so-and-so. I right. know they do this. But on the on the overall picture, I think that when we come together to educate each other and not sell to each other, um, I think that that's magical.
1: Well, and everybody has, you know, I formed Weibo based on my networking style, right? The way I'm comfortable. Um, I'm not comfortable in those shallow conversations, shaking my hand, introducing myself. Oh, what do you do? Like, that's not my happy place. Mm. I'm happiest when um, I always joke that I'm like a toddler and I like to do parallel play, right? So you work on your problem and I'll work on my problem and we'll, we'll exchange blocks every once Mm -hmm. in a while. And so that's kind of my theory behind Weibo is that when we come in and we're talking about the thing we love, our own business, we show up as more authentic. And then the people around the table who are really honestly offering support to us. they're showing up more authentically. And so you're connecting on a much deeper level right away. Um, and everybody has a different networking personality. I talk about it in my book, and mm-hmm. it's a combination of your social style and your learning style. Some people do great in what I call those cattle call networking events where you just go around and sh- shake a million hands mm-hmm. you know during a happy hour. That's not my that's not my place. And so I've created Weibo, um, in the way that suits my personality, and I'm attracting people who like that type of um, interaction. And so there's plenty, like you said, there's a million networking yes, groups there out are. there. Mm-hmm. You can find the group that suits your personality.
0: So talk to me about different personalities for networking. That's interesting. I like how you phrase that, that it's a combination of your learning style and your social style. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about that, because that's your book, right? Yes, Lunching it is. with it Lions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's. <laughs> You know, the, the example I use all the time is there are women who have real issues eating in front of other people. Really? Yeah. You know, there are women who have suffered from eating disorders or they, you know, they've been, I don't know. There's, this is just my, my go-to example. There are women who have issues eating in front of other people. So why on earth would they choose a networking organization that included lunch every time? If they are, if that, if eating in front of you, somebody makes you feel self-conscious or um, small or any of those things, why would you knowingly put yourself in a situation where that is going to inhibit making those connections? Because networking is all about making those connections and making authentic connections. So when you show up in a room, you want to show up in a room in a situation that is skewed to help you show up as your most authentic, shiny self so that the relationships that you make are the best relationships you can do. Because networking is hard. And if you're mm-hmm. not comfortable in the room, it's damn near impossible, right? Mm-hmm. You, can't, you cannot make good connections if you are not showing up as your best self. And so thinking about do you like to be presented to, or do you like more of an interactive learning style? Do you like to sit at a small table and interact with the people around you, or do you want to sit in a theater seating and and be presented to? Um, are you comfortable in a leads group where you're expected to bring in business for other members, or would you rather be in a group where it's more of a casual connection, building those relationships, and if business happens, it's great? Um, so you have to think, and in my book, I have a whole checklist of prompts that helps mm. you think about physically what kind of space you're comfortable in. And then emotionally, how do you like to show up so that you show up as your most authentic best self so that the relationships that you're building are quality relationships? Cause mm. that's what networking's
0: all about. I think that I have joked in my podcast before that it took me probably 40 years to figure out that. Not everybody loved that like I did, right? I mean, this is a thing, right? If you yeah. you you know, we we know ourselves, we know what we do. We know other people react different ways, but we don't necessarily always understand the motivation. And I I think that what I've learned is that everybody's personality really dictates a lot dictates a lot of how they feel in all of those mm-hmm. situations and you know, me just being me, my personality is I love talking to people all the time. Yeah, And so I can go into, I I like all of those things. I'm I'm the learner of, yes, I want to sit theater style and learn what somebody has to (laughs) do. I love to take in information, but you know what? I love just as much to sit at a table and learn about everybody at the table. And I also like to be on the stage and talk about it. So it's like all of those things make me happy place, but they are energy drainers. So I am, I'm very conscious of where I put my time but I am aware that it maybe is a little unique that I like all of the above because I don't yes, think everybody you are does a
1: unicorn <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and there's reasons why but you know as I've gotten out so so you know my story is is that for that 20 years I didn't network I, I built a few key relationships hello that's networking yes um, but the story in my head was I hated networking mm. um and so when I did start to network, I, I really, two things were driven home to me. One, we're not really taught how to do it. Right. Um, and two, a lot of us are very uncomfortable doing right, it. Right, right. Um, and there's, there's reasons for that, biological, psychological mm-hmm. reasons for that. But the fact is a lot of us aren't comfortable doing it. And because we don't know how to do it and we're not getting the results that we want from it, we stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Or it remains uncomfortable, And so, um, you know, I learned through that whole process that, surprise, I'm actually an introvert. Mm, Who knew? mm. Um, You know, I was always, I always thought I was an extrovert because I do enjoy talking to people, but I'm an extroverted introvert. And when Mm -hmm. I go home, I need a lot of time to recharge, Mm. which means I'm not going to show up at every event. And I'm not going to go to every single invitation that I get because... A, I don't have the energy or B, it's not going to be a successful event for me because the way it's set up is not is not aligned with my networking style.
0: Right. I love that so much. And I love that we're at a time where we're talking about yeah. this. And maybe that's why it took me so long to really think about it from that perspective of everybody else that's in the room. I think part of that is just because it wasn't necessarily uh, a conversation around what you feel comfortable with and what's a good fit for you. The conversation would be, learn how to do it, get over it. Yeah, And i that's not, that really is not the answer. In fact, if anything, what it taught me was to be aware that there could be a lot of people in the room that don't have my same style. And I have the ability maybe to make it a little easier for yeah. them. And I think that that's a, I think that that's a really fascinating thing that we're in the time where we can talk about that.
1: I think so too. And I think that, um, you shouldn't be ashamed if you don't like to network. Right? Right. Here I am. I wrote a book about it, and I still get invitations, and I'm like, nah, thanks, but no. Did you I do just, a book tour? Um, I haven't done a book tour yet. Interesting. When and
0: did your book come out?
1: It came out in March. Okay. And just, you know, I don't – well, yeah. Um, and, and so um, it, what's really funny for me is – I would rather stand on a stage and speak to five hundred people, not a problem at all. Really, walk into a room of twelve strangers and I want to throw up. Really, so again, personal style, yeah. right? Like, where do you feel authentic? Where do you shine? Um, and you know, tailoring your your efforts in those best in those places where you get the best results. Um, and you show up as your most authentic self.
0: Have you added that to your website that um, that that's your zone of genius is being on stage talking about these topics? And I, I actually have a whole speaker sheet. You page, do video in there about the that. Thing. Just don't ask. Af- don't ask me. Don't ask her to come into the VIP area afterwards and have. <laughs> I mean, set the parameters. Like, do what you what you need to do for Absolutely. you. Absolutely, I could probably do the VIP. I,
1: I have what I call yeah. my KP suit, right? Okay. So my KP suit is my professional brand and how people see me um it's not the same as Catherine, and so and
0: why is that why are they not
1: the same um well, because Catherine's a hot mess and everybody sees kp as she's got her shit together right and so oh, sorry you might
0: have to bleep that that's okay i, I, the, I don't mind the vocabulary of a well-educated oh, sailor S-word. yes <laughs> I like that. I have Um, the vocabulary of a well-educated sailor.
1: And and they are Mm -hmm. mostly the same. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you did a Venn diagram, most of KP and Catherine are the same for sure. But um, there is a level of confidence and self-assuredness that KP has that Catherine doesn't Mm. always have. And so it's that fake it till you make it. And so I put on my KP suit when I go out into the professional world and I can do it. I, I can do it. I can do it well. Um, I'm way more comfortable doing it than I was four or five years ago because of what I've learned and what I've put into play. But it's still not... It's still not the place that I would prefer to spend my time. Mm-hmm. So I, I call it my KP suit. She's my alter
0: ego. So how do you how <laughs> do you how do you balance those two? Like how do you how do you take care of yourself? How do you build up confidence for the KP suit? Like what is a what are some tips that our listeners can take from this if they can totally relate to that feeling of, not wanting the world to see that we're a hot mess sometimes. Because the right. truth is, we all are. We all are. And that is something that
1: I have learned as well, is mm-hmm. that people are kind mm-hmm. and people are generous. And, and they everybody is walking around and we're all a hot mess. And so you should not be as... As scared of showing your mess to everybody because that is part of what makes you authentic, right? To share with people mm-hmm. that "oops, I made a mistake" or "oops," which is what you're doing. I'm here. not comfortable. I mean, you're, right? You're talking about exactly. all exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, so, as far as building that muscle and that self-confidence, it, with regard to networking specifically, it really was, you know, framing it in terms that made sense to me as a business strategist. I created a strategy. I created a plan. I was very intentional in how I executed that plan. I tracked my results. And once I started tracking my results and saw the positive effects of what I had been doing, it was that dopamine loop, right? That positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. loop. Oh, I did these things that weren't comfortable, but they got me that that client. So therefore, I can go back and do them again and again and again. And the more positive results I get – the, be- the easier it is for me, the more I build that muscle. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and how deep do you get into that results? Because it's one thing to be able to say, because I can, I think most of us, especially bigger clients, we can, we can trace back to where that client came from. Right. Where did that introduction come from? And so then you can... Be able to say, okay, this, this event was a success because eventually, not it might not even be that day, that week, or that month, right. it led to this. But there are lots of other things. Like think about how we met. Right. Um, although I, I'm pretty sure our paths had already crossed, but I don't a million know. million times. I think they had. But we first met, like sat down to We'll say pre-podcast, pre-podcast plan, our pre-interview, pre-interview interview, interview um, <laughs> at the Women's Entrepreneurship Showcase. Right. So for and and imagine that event for me from a networking perspective. I didn't get to participate, right. not really. I participated in the eating of the food and the interviewing and in the you know we had a back room, right? right. But. I didn't have a chance to network and and meet a bunch of people, but there were some women there that knew me and pulled a few people in and said, listen, I know you really need to meet this person. This is who you're looking for. And I have a few introductions that were made to me that day that I'm still working with right now. And then I think about like meeting you and Jordan, who we're going to talk to soon. These are, these are great connections that were made. So that to me, participating in that event was a huge success just because of the connections we made.
1: Right. Um, Absolutely. And so f- I just want to say for an event like that, I go in with a list of people that I want to connect with. You do. Okay. And I don't, I mean, yes, I shake hands and yes, I introduce myself around, but I have a, I have a target list and I know why I want to meet those people. Mm-hmm. And I know what th- I want the outcome to be, whether it's, I want a coffee with you. I want to invite you to this event. I want to come to your event, whatever it is. I know going in that these are the five or six people that I really need to stand in front of and shake their hand and give them a card or, or talk to them about something. Um, Actually, I'm going to correct you because you and I met at Women Entrepreneurship Day yes, that's two correct. years ago. I knew, I knew that, that we had both already of them. met.
0: Right. I knew, but we didn't really sit down and talk. No, like we, we haven't met, but we have, we've 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 orbited we've, each right. other for I a like while. I like that we've orbited, yeah. So
1: when you ask about tracking, I track not only the, the specific events and groups that I participate in, and I track –
0: all of my investment—that That is in them. a lot of information to manage how it like is. you must have some really good back end systems handling that data. I just use a I use an Excel spreadsheet.
1: Wow. And uh, they're all available at lunchingwithlions.com for free download if
0: you'd like I to use them. I love that.
1: Um, but I track my my um, engagement in groups and events, but then I also track my Connections. Mm-hmm. So, for someone like you, who I have now met in multiple mm-hmm. locations and events and, and different um, social situations, now if something comes out from you and I, a business opportunity mm-hmm. or a referral or something, I don't know if it's because we met at Women Entrepreneurship Day or the Women's Showcase right. or at the Metro North Chamber Women's right. Event. I don't know why, why you're passing that to me. So, I also track my individual um, connections. Hmm. So I then, and it serves two purposes. One, I know who brought me the link, but then when I go back to love up on my network, the people who are passing me the most referrals, I can love up on them a little bit Mm -hmm. more. I can pour into them a little bit more. Um, and I can start to then, you know, rank or segregate my list into the A team, the B team and the C team. And the A teams are the ones that get, you know, special love. They get coffee dates and they get, referrals and they get invitations in the B team. It's not that I don't like them as much, but as of yet that professional relationship has not paid off professionally. And I think that that's one thing I want to point out, um, especially to the women listening is that networking is not a social. When it comes to your business network is not, it should not be a social activity, right? Social is secondary to your business. And so always knowing why you're in a room why you're connecting with this person, what the outcome you want that to be, being very strategic. And it it can sound kind of mercenary to say, I'm going to go to this event and I only want to talk to these five people, but you're taking time out of your business to do this thing. It's costing you money to be there. It's cost. It's taking money away from your business to be in a room. And therefore, my greatest encouragement is that we treat networking as the business activity as it is. And so- what is your investment? What is your return? What was the result of your effort? Tracking it in a very um, strategic way so that you can repeat the successful activities and eliminate the unsuccessful activities.
0: So I just want to boom, mic drop. Boom, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> that's, that's really smart. I really like the way that, and I, I can, what was happening is when you were talking, I was thinking back to like the last six months of events that I've been to. And did I prioritize business? No. Um, do I think that this is an amazing way to look at it? A hundred percent. So a question, like a tactical question I have for you, if you have an event coming up, you know, we don't often have the attendee list other than people, unless there's a Facebook event where you can see who has clicked interested. And actually I did that for an event I was at recently. Um, I think I mentioned to you I had interviewed a group of women that are running for office in 2020. Yes. And so there was a Facebook event for that event. So I I knew who the people I was going to interview was on the list, but I didn't know who the guests would be. So I kind of went through that list a little bit just to see, like, what movers and shakers were going to be there, who might be an additional interview in case we had spare time. But I've never really done that. Is that – you know, is that a common it's way? Or- making my, it's
1: making my toes
0: tingle. Oh, she got so high. <laughs> so, okay, but let's talk about it. What are other ways to find out who it is that you should connect with? If you know it's going to be a good event and you know that you have potential partners or referral systems that could come out of those relationships, or you just know the event has people that you need to be in the room with, how do you find out who they are? Because obviously you're doing your research. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, so... You know, the interwebs make it super easy to stalk people and it makes it super easy to stalk events. And like you said, you know, sometimes they announce the membership or the attendee list and sometimes they don't. I would definitely, you know, in my book, I recommend a couple of things when you're looking at an event or a group and that is to look at their mission, to look at past pictures of events, to read their social media posts, Mm -hmm. just to kind of get an idea of how people interact before, during, and after an event just in general. Um, if it's an event, a specific single single event, you if they're not posting the attendee list, there is no harm in reaching out to the to the hostess mm. to say um, I'm super excited to come. Are you publishing the attendee list before we go?
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: The other thing to do is to go the other way and and either reach out to specific people that you think would be a good attendee for that event and invite them to come with you um, or to just think about what kinds of businesses you want to target when you're in that room Mm. because a lot of times when you get there you'll have some sort of notification of who's in the room with you. The other thing, sometimes I don't even go for the attendees, I go for the sponsors. Mm-hmm, yeah. So if there's or some vendors or right. vendors, if yeah, there's or sponsors speakers. or vendors mm-hmm. or speakers there that I wanna target, mm-hmm. I will go to an event just to speak to them, just to make my rounds of the tables. Mm-hmm and speak to the speakers. But as a founder, as somebody who organizes events, I am happy to answer questions when people email me before. Or if they ask
0: for introductions. Oh yeah. I like that a lot too. And the other thing I did recently is I have an event coming up in October and I'm, um, I am moderating a panel Mm -hmm. in the afternoon for a chunk of time. And what I did was ask the event organizer for the attendee list and if they're releasing it and if it's available to be public and for the list of all the speakers and vendors, because I feel like, you know what, if I'm going to go and put my time into this, maybe I should, you know, have a look at who's there, but I didn't do it with such a conscious thought as to why you're saying, but now I am going to. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, sometimes we go to events to learn, which is fine. I mean, we network for all kinds of reasons. We network to grow our own knowledge. We network to make connections in our own industry. Um, But, you know, that's a safe place. It's Mm -hmm. a safe place to network with people who know the same things and speak the same language as we do, but they're not going to buy our service. So really think about why you're in that room. Um, But, you know, thinking about why you're choosing that event, is it because you want to learn something? Is it because the other people in the room are going to be beneficial to you? Is it because there's investors or because Mm – you know, it's a great place to go and get your brand out. You know, thinking ahead of time of why you're choosing that particular event, and then digging into the the participation list. See, you know, sometimes they'll post last year's event, and you can look to see who was there last year. Um, so there's a bunch of different ways, but you know, flat out ask. If, yeah. if if nothing else, I mean, you can stalk people all day, but if you just ask. The, the organizers, first of all, they love it because you, they're getting feedback from their constituency. Second of all, you'll be on their radar. So when you show up and you introduce yourself to them at the event, you're right. They'll introduce you. If they're good, if they're good hostesses and mm-hmm. organizers, they'll introduce you around and make sure that you get connected with people that you need to get connected with. I love this. This is amazing.
0: And you have all of this plus some in your book.
1: Yes, I have thousands of tips in the book on how to how to do it, not just high level, this is why you should do it, because mm. I don't like to use the word should, um, but really specific. I have tons of scripts and um, prompts for writing your elevator speech. I have a whole chapter that has tips on when you walk into an event, where do you sit? Mm-hmm. What do you say? Who do you talk to? What do you wear? All of those things to make it easier. Love and it. it's written for people like me who don't love networking, right. but- The feedback I'm getting is that it's really, really useful for anybody who networks professionally, um, whether they're an employee or a business owner, because that's how we reach our goals is by building those key connections and relationships.
0: Love it. Tell people where they can find you.
1: They can find it on Amazon. So lunchingwithlions.com. It's available in paperback and ebook. Okay. And your website your,
0: for your business. My website
1: is Patterson dot com, and you can always email me at kp at katherinemcgrawpatterson.com. dot com. And social. Social. I am at uh, on Twitter and Instagram at bizcoachkp, and LinkedIn and Facebook as Katherine Patterson.
0: Love it. I like there's one thing I really like about your website, too, is it it says, hi, I'm KP. I'd love to help you grow your impact and your bottom line with clarity and confidence. Yes. That's what you do.
1: That's what I do.
0: Thank you. I have one question. Okay. One last question. You know what it is. What is your percentage of grit and grace?
1: Oh, 110.
0: Well, usually we add them up to equal 100%. (laughs) What is your percentage of grit and grace like in in comparison? That's really funny. That's okay. Wait, that's going to go down is the best (laughs) answer. And for those of you that are watching, you can see how much we're laughing right now. Um, That is so funny. I'm from
1: Texas, so I'm going to say my my grace is 60 easily and then my, my grit will be 50. That's
0: nice. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for listening. And don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all the exciting things that are happening because we're going to be bringing you new stuff on the Himalaya app, which is only going to be available there at different times as it comes out. So thank you again for listening. And I want to tell you one special thing about Himalaya. As a social impact entrepreneur, one thing I appreciate about them the most is that they are not only focused on you as the listener and what matters to you, but they allow you to support your favorite podcasters and we totally feel your love. So thank you very much studio provided by Be Creative Media and Learning Lab in Lakewood. This amazing video is provided by Janine at Tailwind Media. Podcast notes and editorial provided by the podcast Maven and my friend Les helps with all the post-production. And if you're looking for information on any of this amazing tribe of people that help bring you the show, let me know and I'll be happy to get you their information. And you can find me, I'm Taver Lee, and all that I do with Taver Lee's tribe or at corporate cause agency at Taver. Early.com. that's T A H V E R L E E dot com.